Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. Uh, I'm your main host, Karsten. Unfortunately, I'm not joined by Wednesday's co-host, Justin. He uh, has had some recent uh, work obligations he's had to attend to. Um, So with that, we are going to be running the show solo again today. Um, For today's show, we have a little bit of a lighter show planned for you. Uh, firstly, we'll run through uh, a lot of game summaries from tonight's action Wednesday. Um, we will exclude a couple of games that are still finishing up. At this current moment, we're in the final few moments of the Clippers-Lakers game, as well as the Cavaliers-Kings game. So we won't summarize either of those. I have the Lakers game playing right now. Um, but we'll talk about some of those other games uh, then we will branch into our key news. There's not too many big news headlines to cover. Uh, and then we'll talk about what our Wednesday show will typically consist of. We've touched a little bit on it with the weekly predictions. That will be the last of the uh, Wednesday-specific segments. But before we do the weekly predictions, we'll have uh, a discussion of league storylines in general and then try and touch on either the rumor mill or playoff previews and this kind of depends week to week what is most pertinent if there are a lot of rumors as far as trades uh team issues movement anything like that then we'll lean into that before that wednesday's show but if the if there's a lot of movement and conversation about the playoff chase then we'll lean toward more towards that and i think what will happen is early we'll do a lot more rumor mill But then later in the season, especially after the trade deadline, we'll focus more on the playoff preview and uh, the playoff picture there. So we'll do both those things. Then we'll do our weekly predictions like we've talked about and close with this day in history uh, and go from there. So let's start with our game summaries. Let's see if we can pull those games up real quick and uh, get right into it. So firstly, we'll just run through the final scores real quick. Firstly, the Orlando Magic win at home against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I think the Mavericks had a little bit of a streak there, but they uh, the Magic win 94-87 to in Orlando. Uh, Dinwiddie, a big game, 29 points for him. Uh, Doncic adds 24 points, so his 30-point streak ends at 9. Uh, sad to see. Had, you'd think it had to come to an end at some point. Uh, solid defensive game from him, but outside of Dinwiddie and Doncic, they really did not get much scoring at all from the rest of the team. Meanwhile, Orlando just a little bit balanced, uh, a more balanced of an attack, even without Bancaro, who was out uh, with a minor injury or minor rest issue. Um, next, the Trailblazers, the Portland Trailblazers, won on the road against the Charlotte Hornets, one hundred five to ninety five in Charlotte. Uh, Damian Lillard, solid game. Uh, recently returned from a minor injury, 26 points, six rebounds, seven assists on some pretty solid shooting all around, even though he was four of eight from the free throw line. Um, uh, Anthony Simons adds 19, Shaden Sharp adds 17 off the bench. <clears throat> They're kind of three guard rotation there working well. Um, Nurkic did not play due to uh, injury or illness. For the Hornets, they had a uh let's see five players in double figures but their percentages were fairly poor overall and it looks like that might have been their undoing in that game next the denver nuggets won on the road against the indiana pacers in indianapolis 122 to 119 looking at the score for this game 
Uh, Indiana had a 30-point score off the bench in Benedict Mather, and after he had slowed a bit in recent games, looks like he's back on his high-scoring ways. Uh, Halliburton, 21 points, 11 assists. Miles Turner, 11 boards after his strong game last time out. But it doesn't matter as the Nuggets are just a little bit better team all around. Aaron Gordon with 16 rebounds in this game. Uh, Jokic fills up the stat sheet, not quite as much as we're used to seeing, um, but still a solid game. Six players in double figures to lead the way for Denver as they win on the road. Next, we got to talk about this one. The Utah Jazz keep it going. They win on the road in Atlanta against the Hawks, 125 to 119. The Jazz still sitting with the best record in the Western Conference. Uh, every day I expect it to crash down and it just keeps going. Who knows where this is going to go next? Marking in 32 points. I think that might be uh, one of his highest scoring games this season, if not his highest, along with eight boards. Great percentages there. Uh, Clarkson adds 23 points. Malik Beasley, 18 off the bench. Uh, Walker Kessler with 12 points off the bench, as well as three blocks. Uh, Conley with 13 assists. They're playing a great team game. The Hawks had six guys in double figures, but it did not matter. Utah just able to pull ahead, and especially the big game from Markin and uh, served them well. Next, the Boston Celtics won at home against the Detroit Pistons, 128 to 112. Uh, looking at the box score for this game, Pistons, not terrible. Uh, three Again, three players in double figures rebounding. This time it's Stewart and Duran, along with Jaden Ivey. Uh, Cunningham, a very uh, lackluster game. 9% from the floor, 1 of 11 from the floor. Missed all six of his three-point attempts, four points, three rebounds. Uh, a guy who's still finding himself in the league after a pretty solid rookie campaign. Uh, Jaden Ivey, 19 points, along with his 10 boards, as previously, meant, previously mentioned. Uh, but Boston, Tatum and Brown, you know, seems like a, a broken record there. We we see, keep hearing that same script. Tatum with 31 points. Jalen Brown with 30 points. Marcus Smart pours in 11 assists alongside that scoring effort. And Sam Hauser adds 24 points off the bench. Uh, I think that'd be a safe bet to say that's, if not his career high, certainly in his top three or four point uh or four totals for points in a game uh, in any of his career games. So Boston gets a win there at home. Next, the Battle of the Burrows. This was the first of the two ESPN games tonight. The other, of course, still finishing. Um, the New York Knicks on the road in Brooklyn against the Nets, and the Brooklyn Nets come out on top in this one, 112 to 85, uh, the final score there. Looking at the box score, uh, the Knicks. Their big three played okay-ish. Uh, Randall leading the way for them with 24 points, but they just did not get a lot of support scoring from their, especially from their bench. Uh, only, what is that? 20-ish points from the bench total. Not great at all. Meanwhile, Brooklyn led by Kevin Durant's 29 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists, a triple-double for Durant, along with two blocks and a steal. Uh, really carrying this Brooklyn team right now in their last uh, stretch of games. Of course, he was a week three MVP uh, for our pick for the podcast. Um, but he was joined by four other double figure scorers, including Seth Curry, 23 off the bench, six of 11 from three for him. And so Brooklyn able to win the battle of the Burroughs there. Next, uh, 
the Toronto Raptors at home against the Houston Rockets. They win that game 116 to 109 to further push Houston to the bottom of the Western Conference. Uh, Houston actually had some solid all round offensive performance. Seven guys in, sorry, yeah, seven guys in double figures. Jalen Green leading the way at 21 points. Um, but again, their percentages were not stellar. And Toronto was pushed by the all star guard, Fred Van Vliet, uh, making a push to repeat as an all-star, make his second all-star appearance, 32 points, three rebounds, four assists, four steals as well, doing it on the defensive end. Along with OG Ananobi, 27 points, 10 rebounds, three steals. He continues his torrid stretch, leading the league in steals currently as Toronto uh, stays strong there. Next, the New Orleans Pelicans on the road in Chicago against the Bulls. The Pelicans win this one, 115 to 111. Uh, Close game. Chicago had a strong game from Zach Levine, 23 points, 33 points from DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic, 18 points as well. Uh, But not a ton of scoring support outside of Goran Dragic, 14 off the bench for Chicago. Meanwhile, New Orleans, aided by Brandon Ingram and Valanchunas, along with Zion Williamson, those three combined for a little over 60 points. Herbert Jones added 17 of his own and they had a very strong bench performance as well. Uh, five, let's see, no, sorry, four guys off the bench scored seven or more points. McCollum seven in the starting lineup, but regardless, uh, just a little bit better team game for New Orleans as they're able to win the game there. Next, the Phoenix Suns win on the road against the Minnesota Timberwolves despite being without Chris Paul for this game. Uh, Cameron Payne, a nice game starting in replacement of Chris Paul, 23 points, eight assists, uh, joined by Mikhail Bridges, 31 points, four steals, and Devin Booker, 32 points, 10 assists. Uh, those three leading the charge for Phoenix. Meanwhile, Minnesota had uh, 24 from Jaden McDaniels, of all players, uh, 25 and 11 from Rudy Gobert, along with the three blocks. 20 points, six assists from D'Angelo Russell. Uh, but Minnesota, just a little bit better all-around team. Uh, so they win 129 to 117. Just a couple more games that we'll talk about tonight, uh, both of these being overtime games. So firstly, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio on the road, 124 to 122. Uh and that was an overtime game. The box score here, Desmond Bain and John Morant combine for 64 points. They each had 32 in this game. San Antonio had a little more balanced attack, 22 each for Jakob Pertl and Devin Vassell, uh, along with five other guys in double-digit scoring. But Memphis, those two guys leading the charge, Bain, the sharpshooter, John Morant, the all-round scorer, both doing their part on the boards and the assists as well. Uh, Steven Adams chips in with 19 boards as the Grizzlies beat San Antonio in overtime. And finally, our last game that we will summarize tonight, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks win on the road to get back in the winning column against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 136 to 132, and that was in double overtime. Uh, so a great thrilling game for them in Oklahoma city. 
looking for uh, looking at the stats for the Thunder, Shea Gilders Alexander, 39 points. He continues to be a 30-plus per game scorer so far this early on in the season. Trey Mann adds 21 off the bench. Uh, 15 boards for Josh Giddy, 10 boards for Pokashevsky. But you look at Milwaukee's lineup, uh, they were without Giannis in this game, and they were still able to win, aided in part by 24 points, 13 boards from Brook Lopez, along with five blocks, uh, being the centerpiece, no pun intended, for Milwaukee there. Also, not only by four additional uh, point uh, double-figure sh- scorers for them, uh, Beauchamp, uh, or Beauchamp, not sure how you pronounce him, his name, he's a rookie this year, 19 points for him as he started. Bobby Portis, 13 points. Grayson Allen, 18 points. And then off the bench, George Hill, 12. But that's not counting the other guard that started. Javon Carter sets his career high with 36 points and 12 assists a game for his career, his young career up to this point. I believe he's in his third or fourth season. Definitely has not had as high of a scoring game uh, as this. More More of an impactful game. For him individually, awesome to see. He's a player that I've liked uh, ever since he's been in the league. His um, aggressiveness, a little you know, defensively, and his kind of team play, I like him, and I it's good for me to see. I'm happy to see him with such a strong game. Again, that's 36 points, 12 assists, four boards, and a steal on some great percentages to lead the charge for Milwaukee, winning without Giannis in Oklahoma City. So that's a great thing to see there. Again, the last two games, uh, the Battle of Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Lakers on the road, technically on the road, against the Los Angeles Clippers in the same arena. And then the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers on the road against the Sacramento Kings. Those two games we will summarize tomorrow. Um, Before we move on, let me run through real quick, see if there's any details I needed to talk about with these games. Again, I did not have a chance to watch many of these on my own. Um, So I want to walk through again, make sure I'm not missing anything as far as the storyline. Yeah, again, those two overtime games, that's exciting to see. like to catch the highlights from these games uh, after the fact to see maybe what I missed out on. But regardless, um, that kind of takes us through our games for this point. So let's move on to uh, the next segment. So we summarize our games. Let's talk through our key news real quick. These are the main headlines I saw. Uh, mostly some injury things to keep updated on. Firstly, again, Ma- uh, the Orlando Magic's Paolo Bancaro, the star rookie, the number one pick, was out for this game against the Mavericks with uh, a sprained ankle. Uh, So you imagine he'll be able to return within the next couple of games. Uh, We certainly hope so. Next, of course, again, Phoenix Suns are without Chris Paul uh, due to that heel injury suffered against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, He was out for for this game versus Timberwolves. Uh, I'm sure he'll be reevaluated and we'll have a little bit more clear idea of when he will be able to return for Phoenix. Again, that's a huge uh, loss for them at this time. Finally, LeBron did return for this game. That's currently being finished against the Los Angeles Clippers. He was out due to foot soreness, foot bothering him, but he's, he's back and he's playing in that game. Finally, the real one 
non-injury piece in our news. Uh, Jacques Vaughn officially named head coach of the Brooklyn Nets for the rest of this season. Uh, of course, there was a lot of uh, rumor mill stuff, conversations about them potentially looking to hire Ime Udoka from the Celtics, uh, despite his controversy and issues with the Celtics organization and their uh, decision to suspend him for a season, at least one season, based on whatever exactly happened with him and a, uh, a female co-worker. Uh, apparently, Brooklyn kicked the tires on that and decided to instead go with Jacques Vaughn, the kind of in-house pick. So he'll be coaching for the Nets for the foreseeable future. So that takes us to our news. Again, not a ton of news to talk about. So let's jump to our main meat of our Wednesday show. Firstly, league storylines. Um, and this is kind of just retreading ground and summarizing where we're at in the league and what are the main stories that have stood out. You know, it's things like Milwaukee and Boston being on top in the East are things that we would expect. So I won't talk too much. Of course, Milwaukee was undefeated until a couple of nights ago. Before a couple of nights ago, that would have been a storyline for sure. Um Similar thing in the West with, you know, Phoenix, Denver, Memphis, Dallas being among those top teams. Those are things we'd kind of expect. Uh, you know, we can talk about individual players and we'll we'll uh, mention that as well. Let me go ahead and get the uh, player stats pulled up so we can do those players justice as far as accurate stats, not counting tonight's games. Um but as far as storylines, we'll just mention a few things. Firstly, of course, the Utah Jazz. I try not to talk too much because I am a Jazz fan myself, but it's hard to ignore what they've done. They did win again tonight. So they are 10-3, and three, which leads the Western Conference and is currently the second best record, sorry, the third best record winning percentage-wise in the NBA, only behind Milwaukee and Cleveland. Um, it's been a phenomenal year for them so far, especially considering the offseason moves. They traded both of their all-star players, Donovan Mitchell, to the Cleveland Cavaliers and Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they got back in return um, some players who have been talented but also had injury issues or didn't fit with what the, their past teams were doing. And what you kind of end up with this season is a, an interesting roster of younger talent, a little bit more experienced guys who have been bounced around a bit, some guys who have had injury concerns who are working their way back. It's kind of a, an amalgam and, of course, including some already established jazz players like Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. And you get this really interesting mix that right now is gelling. They're playing well together. Uh, Will Hardy has them playing as a team, playing unselfishly. Um, there's not really one player. I mean, if you had to pick one and a guy who maybe enters into your all-star, earlier all-star conversations, uh, you talk about Larry Markinen as far as a scoring leader and, you know, it kind of a go-to guy. But it's been more of a team game, and it's been great to see, of course, as a Jazz fan, but also interesting as just an NBA fan to see a team with that kind of a makeup, be able to do well, sort of in a similar vein. We'll talk about the Cavaliers as well. Not quite though, because again, they were on the flip side of the Utah trade. They received Donovan Mitchell. They exchanged Markinen, who had been a productive player, but maybe not quite a fit um, in exchange for Donovan Mitchell to add to their already 
uh, burgeoning young talent. Uh, Darius Garland, of course, an all-star. Jared Allen, uh, I think he was named an all-star last year too, or maybe was in the conversation for a replace, an injury replacement. Evan Mobley, the uh, rookie of the year contender. Um, you have those four guys uh, along with, uh, who do they have starting? I think it's like Osman or Okoro. Uh, or no, Karis LeVert, sorry. Karis LeVert, a, a talented wing scorer. You have Osman and Okoro off the bench, as mentioned. You have Rubio, who I think is still out with injury. Um, you know, Lope, Robin Lopez. They, they have some good depth. Dean Wade, I think, has been playing well. They have good depth, and they have stars in the the starting lineup, especially Mitchell. He's really been the clear leader for this Cleveland team up to this point. Eight and two, that's the second best record in the NBA, winning percentage-wise. Um, just behind Milwaukee for the number one spot in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, you know, I expect it to keep going. With the Jazz, I'm hesitant, and I expect them to kind of come a little bit back down to earth as far as what their talent is actually capable of doing long term. But Cleveland, I think, should be able to sustain this, if not stay within that top four seed in the Eastern Conference. That's another storyline as far as them being surprisingly good. Um, Talking about the uh, let's talk about individual players who are doing well. Luca, Luca's good. And, you know, everyone knew that. And of course, he's a multi-time all-star already in his young career, but he's even better this season than he has been in the past. You look at his past seasons, he's been a, you know, high 20s per game scorer. This far, so far this season, he's averaging 36 points a game. Again, that will go down. He had his first non 30 point per game or, or 30 point game performance uh, in this last game against Orlando, but he's still averaging in, in the 30s. He's getting to the free throw line far more often. His percentages from the three point line are actually down despite a similar number of attempts, but his field goal percentages are up overall and if that three-point percentage increases then he's got a real shot to stay in a 30 point per game average um he's still doing it with the rebounds and the assists eight each there two steals so he's doing a little bit better defensively as well uh less turnovers more fouls he's a little more aggressive a little more engaged potentially um despite the team around him not being ultra talented, you know, he's thoroughly put himself in the MVP discussion. I would think top three, maybe even number one pick right now for an MVP. Um, We have to talk about him. You also have to talk about Durant, especially this last stretch, you know, five, six games into the season, Brooklyn was dead in the water. And especially with the controversies they've had with Kyrie Irving um, and a little bit of this coaching drama, with firing Steve Nash and things like that, the team was kind of done, you know, and you wondered if they'd be even to sal- be able to salvage a season. And in Kyrie's absence with his suspension, Durant has stepped up and played a great game. He's, of course, scoring. We know how talented he is as a scorer. He's efficient scoring, but he's also rebounding and assisting, which we've seen him do in the past as well, but he's doing it even more. He's defensively engaged, uh, nearly two blocks a game. And he's pulled Brooklyn out of the water and has them right on the cusp of the play-in tournament, which still is below where you'd hope them to be. But five and seven from, 
you know, where they were at one and six or whatever that record was, you know, they, they are much improved. Um, and I think, you know, Durant needs to certainly get a lot of credit for that. Uh, so that's an, another storyline we can talk about as far as individual players. So that's kind of taken us through a lot of the good. Another positive we'll talk about real quick, Paolo Bancaro. Okay. Of course, the rookie discussion is uh, always lively in the NBA. Um, let's see. Oh, Got to figure out what I'm trying to do here on my computer. Paolo Bancaro, he's been, he's been great, you know, and he missed this most recent game with a, an ankle injury, of course, uh, but 23 and a half points per game, eight rebounds, three assists. The percentages are not bad. And again, the poise, if you watch him just eye test wise, he looks confident and there's even little bit of whisperings I saw on the NBA site. Could Bancaro be that, you know, rookie to break the, the trend and potentially be an all-star his rookie year? You know, that has not happened much, if at all, since the uh, early to mid-90s. And I think maybe Grant Hill did that, uh, and certainly Sha- uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Blake Griffin might have his rookie year. I think he was in the conversation, and LeBron certainly probably would have been as well. Um, but Bancaro may be putting himself in that kind of a conversation. If he keeps up this scoring, I think that would be uh, very cool to see, to finally break that trend, have a rookie in the All-Star game. <laughs> I think more rookies have deserved it that have not been named All-Stars. But regardless, that's another storyline to look out for. Uh, I want to mention a few other players who are exceeding expectations. Uh, SGA, again, 30 points per game plus. He's doing great. Darren Fox is one of the top 15 scorers, which I don't think is necessarily out of the ordinary, but he's staying productive. And I, I think Sacramento's making a little bit of a turn. And I'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, outside of that, Desmond Bain's been emerging as kind of the, the sidekick, the Robin to John Morant's Batman, Keldon Johnson becoming San Antonio's de facto leader. Um, otherwise that's kind of the main ones as far as players with, breakout type seasons you know Zubat's doing well in the defensive end a little bit of an emergence there uh Halliburton nearly 20 points 10 assists so that's you know great stats for him uh and an OB on the defensive end uh regardless so that takes us through a lot of the players individually with uh kind of storylines let's chat a little bit about some teams that are struggling if you want to look at storylines, um, I generally, the note I put, I called it California blues just because the four California teams, and sometimes we forget that, take that for granted. There are four teams in the NBA in California, nearly a sixth of the league is in California. Uh, those teams, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers or LA Clippers. I forget it's Los Angeles Lakers, but it's LA Clippers. They're very particular about that. Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors. And the best record of any of those teams is the Clippers right now at six and five, uh, not counting tonight's game. I'm not sure how that finished. Um, And they're in the eighth seed. Below them in 11th are the Golden State Warriors, four and seven. 13th, Sacramento Kings, three and six. And Los Angeles Lakers, two and eight. So those teams have struggled. And the specific two teams you'd want to focus on No one expects much from Sacramento, 
with this particular roster. No one has expected the Clippers to be, you know, the top of the West. They certainly expect them to be in the a little bit higher, but they have had, excuse me, they've had, you know, difficulties or growing pains working Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back in the lineup. Paul George is playing great. Uh, Kawhi has missed a lot of games. Um, so you expect that a little bit more. Golden State and Los Angeles are really the two that are uh, letting people down. Golden State especially. That has kind of come out of nowhere. We've talked about it on the podcast a bit before, so we won't go too much into that. But they're underperforming their talent, their championship pedigree, and there's something that's a little bit off. You know, Maybe they're just finding their footing after a, you know, a championship hangover. It's hard to say. But then the Lakers, 2-8, and eight, again, not counting tonight's game. And it's some of the same stories, but it's even more weird because they have, you know, they replace the head coach with a new guy who has shown some some promise in Darvin Ham. They have Westbrook coming off the bench now, which has the potential to be a better fit. But And they got a lot of their old talent out, brought in younger talent. But some of those same issues still sit there as far as uh, lack of shooting, Anthony Davis not being a focal point offensively. That was a lot of the conversation on the broadcast uh, from tonight's game. And so they sit at two and eight, potentially two and nine, or maybe three and eight, depending on how tonight's game went. Um, and again, that's, you know, the storyline, it's always going to be a storyline when the whether the Lakers are doing good or bad. They're one of the, the premier uh, franchises uh, historically, as well as, you know, big markets, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Nets, the Clippers, they're always going to be talked about, and especially the Lakers with LeBron being on that roster. Uh, but regardless, that kind of takes us through our league storyline segment. We'll hopefully have this a little more fleshed out in the future as far as real specific stories that have developed within the you know the prior week or weeks, plural. Next, uh, again, this segment is kind of an early uh, working idea that might get modified a little bit as we go. We're calling it rumor mill slash playoff previews, depending on the point of the year we're in. We really don't have much to talk about with playoff previews because it's early. We're only an eighth of the way into the season. Of course, we have some basic looks of what that might look like right now. We'd be missing the Lakers and the Warriors in even the play-in. I think the Warriors will make their way into the play-in. The Lakers, it's iffy. Uh, And then that means the team falling out. I think probably the Spurs, if you had to pick a team. In the East, um, you know, I think the Nets maybe slip in and bump the Pacers out, maybe the Wizards. Um, regardless, you know, there won't be too much that changes, uh, knock on wood, but we won't talk too much about the playoff preview yet because these positions, these seeds are going to have the potential to jostle around quite a bit. Uh, it seems like every year there's some team that hovers around, you know, the play-in tournament about a fourth of the way through the season by the end of the year they've jumped into the top four and we see the reverse sometimes you know teams start out start out super hot you know cleveland and chicago started out last year very hot they were in the top of the east and they ended the season in you know lower six or seven seed or play in tournament range so you never quite know as far as seedings and matchups so we'll talk a ton about that but we will discuss real quick uh trade rumors is really the only thing we can find as far as a rumor mill. You know, there's the rumors about 
the lingering issues of the Jordan Poole Draymond incident, you know. Um, but as far as rumor mill, there hasn't been a ton I've seen outside of what's already been settled with the Nets coaching situation. Uh, and these are just, you know, you, you Google search NBA trade rumors on the news and you've got all sorts of blogs, Lakers Nation, SB Nation, Bleacher Report, uh, you know, Fox Sports. I'm sure ESPN's got some and they've got all sorts of trade ideas they think that could help. <laughs> Lakers trade rumors, LA waiting on mystery star to deal picks for. Uh, so this is, let's see, this is SB Nation. Uh silver screen and roll so this is the lakers sb nation uh blog community whatever you want to call it um yeah just kind of talks about what can the lakers do to shake up their roster um yeah just demar Derozan is a name and you know that was even talked about in the offseason when he was a free agent i kind of doubt that would happen you know I'm not sure what that trade would look like. Trade rumors. Lakers only offered Russell Westbrook and second round picks to Spurs for Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. And that even that wouldn't help him. You know, I'm I'm a guy who's been kind of a Westbrook detractor, but that would be kind of a lose lose for both teams. I don't know why he'd make that trade. Uh won't do Kyrie Irving or Pacers. See a lot of these center around the Lakers, because that's again a lot of the focus. Trade ideas for Brooklyn Nets involving Ben Simmons. Uh, NBA trades. How about this one? We'll run through this one and then call it good for this segment as far as this week's uh, podcast program. This is a, let's see, Bleacher Report. NBA trades fans should already be dreaming about. So this is yesterday. Zach Buckley posted this. Uh, let's, let's hear his suggestions. Cavaliers push in chips for Crowder. Suns gain wing depth. So the proposal is Cavs receive Jay Crowder. So he goes back to Cleveland. He was there at one point with LeBron, if you remember. Uh, the Suns receive Jetty Osman, Lamar Stevens, and a 2023 second round pick. I mean, I guess if you're Phoenix, you haven't been playing Jay Crowder because of some sort of uh, dispute in between the two parties. So you get Jetty Osman who can fill that forward need especially with the Cameron Johnson injury as well as Lamar Stevens who's actually been a fairly potent uh forward who can play a bit of center they get a pick and then the Cavaliers gain some additional depth with Crowder I think that could be an interesting trade that's not a bad one uh next major switch up in South Beach here's a proposal Heat received Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre Jr. Charlotte Hornets received Kyle Lowry Nikola Jovic, Omer Yurt 7, and a 2023 first-round pick. Interesting. So the Heat get a younger, a little bit more spry point guard in Rozier, and they get Oubre for their forward depth. I, the Hornets, I don't know why you would do this trade if you're Charlotte. Uh, I mean, I guess you get a pick. They're still kind of building. Of course, they have Lamelo, who's the, you know the the face of their franchise at this point. They get Jovic, a recent first round pick. Uh, but you take on Lowry. I have to imagine his contract's a little bit bigger. Um, yeah, kind of an interesting one. I'm not sure I'm that excited about that as far as the potential trade. 
Oh, here you go. Warriors split up Splash Brothers in an attempt to correct roster imbalance. That's not going to happen. Golden State Warriors receive Yaka Pirtle, Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott, and Romeo Langford. Spurs receive Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, 2028 first round pick, 2027 second round pick, and a 2028 second round. This is ridiculous. You wouldn't, I, you would not do this. First of all, the Spurs, I love Clay, right? But Clay is already what, 30? Um, let me double check that. He's got to be, right? Because he, he played a couple years in college and, uh, I don't know, he's 32. So, so you're getting a 32 year old Clay Thompson who's still coming off of an injury. I know that he played great last year or, or was back and, Maybe not quite his full self, but he played solid last year. Um, so he's still a little bit on that recent injury, you know, concern. But he's still been playing very solid at the very least, you know. So you get him, but he's 32. I guess they get Wiseman, the center, and they exchange Pirtle. So Wiseman becomes the starter and they develop him. Um, and they get a bunch of picks. Like, okay, so the San Antonio side I can talk myself into. But Golden State, you're just getting worse, and you're giving up your future. I mean, Richardson as a guy that I think is past that kind of bright spark he had for a couple of seasons. He's serviceable, but he's not that great. McDermott's been forgettable. Langford has been forgettable. And then Pirtle, I mean, they don't really need a center, I, I don't think that's what they need. I think this is a bad trade for the Warriors. The Spurs, I guess, get helped out because they get youth and they get a bunch of picks for a kind of rebuilding effort. Um, yeah, no, that's just kind of silly. Oh, okay, here you go. Last one. There's only four on this article. Wizards finally bring Durant home. Wizards receive Kevin Durant. Brooklyn Nets receive Porzingis. Avdia, Johnny Davis, 2025 first-round pick, 2027 first-round pick, 2029 first-round pick. The only time the Nets are going to trade Durant is if they decide with the trade of Kyrie, which I think is probably going to happen, either trade or buy out whatever works best for their contract situation. The only time I see them giving up Durant is if they decide we're going to blow the thing up fully. And, you know, maybe – if you're trading Kyrie, you think you're already heading that way, which I don't think you have to think that way. Look at Milwaukee. You know, you compare Giannis to Durant. Obviously, they're different players and different skill sets. But building around them, you have Middleton, who's been an all-star, but more just a very solid player. You have Drew Holiday, sort of, again, a very solid player and great depth. And I think if you have Brooklyn and you give Durant – two really solid guys and some good depth, they could be, you know, championship contenders or at least finals contenders in an Eastern conference, you know, and it, it's partially the right coaching and it's the right roster. And I, you know, I have questions about the roster. Some pieces I like, I don't think Simmons is part of it, but even if you trade Kyrie, you still have Simmons and Durant with some decent depth. So only if they decide to fully blow it up would this would they do a trade like this. And for Washington, they're giving up Porzingis, who's a productive player. They're giving up some young depth and some talent, future talent, when they're a team that's not seemingly going up, they're hovering towards the bottom. 
I don't think that trade really makes much sense for either side. Um, so I don't know. Interesting. These are always just more like conversation pieces than anything. Who who thinks that a lot of these are actually going to happen? I can see the Cavs one, Cavs and Suns helping both of them, both of their efforts out. Suns get some or Cavs get some forward depth. Sun or they they just get some general depth as far as you know improved talent in their top eight or ten. Suns get forward depth in that position where they especially need it. Otherwise, I'm not sure about those. But again, this will be a little bit more of a, a structured, well-thought-out segment in the future as far as rumor mill or playoff previews, depending on where we're at in the season, the uh, the media discussions, the circle, what's the conversation around the league. So be prepared for that going forward. Um, and I think this show is already going a lot longer than I thought it would. But we're towards the end of the show. We're going to do our last main segment before we close. Firstly... Well, not firstly, our last main segment, our weekly predictions. Again, it's just me tonight, so I'm going to do my own prediction here. I'm staring away from the Nets. We're not talking about the Nets right now. That was my week one and week two predictions, both involved the Nets or someone who plays for the Nets. We're not talking about the Nets. We're talking Sacramento Kings. Okay, now we're going to talk different sport for a second. The Seattle Mariners finally broke their longest they had the longest playoff drought in all of sports in the big four american sports up until this very baseball season they finally made it to the playoffs for the first time since 2001 when they broke that streak they passed that dubious honor to the next team and that is the sacramento kings the sacramento kings now have the longest playoff drought in all of the big four american sports that's the nba the nfl the mlb and the nhl so basketball, football, baseball, and hockey. My prediction, I think this is the year. The Sacramento Kings will break their playoff drop. Now, why do I think this? Well, firstly, the, the requirements have expanded. You only need to be a top 10 team, not a top 8, to make the playoffs. So that helps their case. Secondly, why would especially why would you think this? Because they are currently 3-6. and six. Or if we were fresh, let's see how they came out in that game. Oh, I guess that is updated. No, that is definitely not updated. Hold on one second. Thought I was updating the standings and then they did not. Why are they not updated? Huh. Regardless, the Kings are either three and six, four and six, or three and seven. They're one of those. They're towards the bottom. But. If they're four and seven, they're tied with Golden State. They're not going to stay tied with Golden State, but they've been a lot better in their last few games. Um, let's see here. You know, they I think they were what one and six at one point potentially, and they've won their last few, and they've maybe even beat. Let's double check this real quick. Yes, they did beat the Cavs. And again, we'll summarize that tomorrow. So they're, I think, now four and six, if that update is to be believed. So then that would actually move them to be tied with Oklahoma City for 11th. Okay. Now, Darren Fox had a really hot scoring start and he's dropped off. But that's maybe the issue, right? Maybe they he's getting the team more involved. The team is gelling. And... They have a coach who has been successful. They've, you know, Mike Brown coached the Cavaliers when 
LeBron was doing his best pre-Miami days, okay? Now, he has also had some, you know, struggling moments with the Lakers and the the Knicks, but those teams were still competent, right? He's been an assistant with Golden State. He's been learning with that system and those players. I think there's every potential, and I believe, I'm going to I'm going to speak into existence. I believe the Sacramento Kings, I have no ownership or stake in this franchise as a fan, as anything. I believe the Sacramento Kings can break the drought. They can make the playoffs. They can maybe even be eight seed up if things all really gel together. Okay. I think they can do that because they don't, they, they have some talent to work with. I mean, you look at their roster. Let's, let's see if we can uh, pull this up real quick. Okay. Kings. Um, of course, Sabonis and Fox are the two that lead the way, right? But they've got some some players to work with outside of that. They've got the rookie, Keegan Murray, who I think is going to get better and better as the season goes on. Uh, they have Harrison Barnes, a, a seasoned veteran. So you've got some forward help there. You've got Herter and Monk, who I think have been playing fairly well for them. Holmes, either starting or off the bench. Terrence Davis, who's shown some flashes. Um, and then you've got some just, you know, guys who fill the space and have had some experience and can play well. I think this team can make the playoffs. I do. And I'm going to lock that in as my prediction for week three's weekly predictions segment. With that, let's jump into our This Day in History closing fact here. This one going all the way back to 1946. Okay. Long way back in the history books. George Mikan made his professional basketball debut for the Chicago American Gears in a 66-61 loss at the Oshkosh All-Stars in a National Basketball League game. Remember, before the NBA formed, there was the NBL and the BAA, the Basketball Association of America. Those two joined to form the NBA. So... It's often said BAA history is NBA history, but also NBL history is NBA history, including the Chicago American Gears and George Mikan's professional debut in 1946, uh, especially with his recent Jersey retirement long overdue by the Lakers franchise. Thought that was a perfect uh, this day in history fact to share with you all. With that, that brings us to the end of our show. Again, a little bit longer than uh, I had planned for. Uh, again, I do apologize uh, on Justin's behalf. I know that he wanted to be here for this show. Uh, simply his uh, own personal uh, obligations as far as work and uh, personal life did not allow him to do the podcast with me tonight. Tomorrow's show, outside of our game summaries and key news, we'll focus more on a little bit of a historic type perspective uh, and talk about general franchise directions for one of the NBA franchises. We'll also outline a legend for that NBA franchise, uh, someone who potentially doesn't get a lot of discussion in uh, NBA fan circles, but someone who deserves that attention. Uh, so that's kind of an outlook on what we'll do Thursday. And then Friday, of course, we will have some, some quick discussion points before we get pre prepared for the weekend with some game previews. Um, but with that, I thank you for listening again. I've been Karsten, uh, be tuned in for tomorrow's show to get updated on those last two games from tonight and to 
focus on one franchise specifically. My goal is to focus on each NBA franchise at least once for a good chunk of a podcast by the end of the season. A lot of times with the, the media circle, they get, you know, kind of locked in on one set of, you know, four or five franchises, the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, Nets, uh, you know, Knicks, Warriors, those few, and maybe you have the Bucks slip in or the Celtics. And a lot of those teams who are middling or maybe in a rebuilding mode don't get the conversation that they deserve. So hopefully my goal is to focus on one each of the franchises at least once for a good segment of time so that they each get the attention that they deserve. Uh, but with that, again, I thank you for listening and we will uh, get back with you. That's not the greatest phrase for this. I always never, I never know how to end these, you know, uh, thanks for listening regardless and catch you next time.